0: This is the Portside Pod, the official podcast of the Stockton Ports. I'm the voice of the Ports, Alex Jensen, and on today's episode, we visit with infielder Trace Lair, who explains his approach, gives his thoughts on Bobby Crosby, talks sneakers, and much more. During these trying times, Chase Chevrolet is still open and here to serve you. With their Easy Pass service, you can shop online and have your new pre-owned vehicle delivered right to your door. Learn more at chasechevrolet.com/easypass. Pleased to have uh, infielder from the 2018 and 2019 Stockton Ports, Trace Lair, with me on uh, today's episode of the Portside Pod. Trace, thanks for taking the time in. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you joining me. Yeah, of course, man. How are you doing? Everything's good. I can't complain. I uh, wish we had baseball. I uh, wish we were going to the ballpark every day, but... Um, don't we all, man. Don't yeah, we all. Exactly. I hope everyone's healthy Healthy with you, first of all. I mean, that's kind of, you know, uh, first and foremost on everyone's not mind right now.
1: Yeah, everyone uh, in my family and friends that I know is, uh, is all good. Obviously uh, Webby, Webster Garrison, one of yeah. our managers, he got corona, so that was... That kind of hit home because at the time it was like, is this really real or whatnot? And then all of a sudden you get a phone call saying that your coach has it and possibly had it the last day that we were in camp. So, you know, you start kind of tripping out a little bit. So,
0: Yeah, it sounds like he is – I mean, the last I heard he was off the ventilator. We've talked about it uh, on, on this podcast uh, a bunch. But, uh, yeah, like you said, that had, to, that had to hit home for it. I know, I know Webby's a, a very popular figure in the A's system.
1: Yeah, he is. Uh, everybody loves Webby. So, you know, for him, for that to happen to him, you know, it hits hard for everybody. And it's been, it's been tough. I, I haven't heard anything recent. So, hopefully he is, you know, good off the ventilator and he's doing better. So,
0: Knock on wood. I know everyone in Stockton is pulling for him. How, how are you spending your days right now?
1: Man, I wake up around 11, 11.30 every day. Tough life, huh? And then, uh... <laughs> I usually eat some breakfast, or I guess brunch for most people, or lunch. And then uh, usually, you know, spend time at home for a couple hours, and I go hit and work out with uh, one of my friends, Sam Booth. And we've just been doing that for the past two months.
0: Is, is it tough right now to, like, get your workouts in and everything like that? I mean, you guys could probably throw a BP to each other, but we were just talking before I hit record here, Trace. Like, I'm sure it's been a couple months since you've seen live pitching.
1: Yeah, it's been a it's been a long time since I've seen real velo. Um, you know, you try to see as much as you can close distance, you know, via BP and soft toss and whatnot. Um, hopefully here soon, I'll be able to go to uh, one of the old um, places that I used to go to indoor places and use their machine. It's just to see some velo and whatnot. But I mean, the place that I go to, um, they have a weight room and they have some nice cages and a place to throw. So it's been pretty, uh, it's been pretty solid for me. Could be worse, right? Yeah, it could be much worse. I mean, because I mean, we get phone calls from our, uh, from our trainers and strength coaches every week. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's, guys, there's they, they say there's probably 80% of us that can't even uh, get, get to weights right now so it's just
0: it's tough for everybody so, you know, so I'm blessed to be able to have a place to be able to work right so I guess you wouldn't know the answer to the question then right if you don't have access to a weight room what are they having you doing I guess they've been doing a lot of you know body weight stuff you know getting out probably
1: to some fields and just you know getting you know taking advantage of what they have I mean I mean that's the key to it you got to figure out a way to get it to get it done if you want to mm-hmm. keep you know progressing
0: in this game so take me back to spring training, man. Um, you know, everything happened really quick uh, yeah. from the sound of it. How long after you had gotten to Arizona were you told to kind of pack up and, and get out yeah. of it? Well, we got there.
1: I got there to the mini camp on Valentine's Day. So what is that? February 14th. And um, we were there pretty much for a month. Uh, we ended up leaving on Friday the 13th in March, which is kind of crazy if you think about it now. And then uh, it was pretty much that week, because the whole coronavirus thing was going on in China, and they were talking about it coming. And then once it hit the NBA, yeah, and uh, you know, guys started catching that. Then I think Major League Baseball, you know, started getting frightened with it. And then we go, uh, we go in on Friday, and they're like, "Well, we don't have a workout on uh, Sunday," and then you know, we're going to cancel the workout for saturday come back on monday and we're gonna see what's going on so then we split into our groups and five minutes later um ed sprague comes he's our player development guy our main player development guy comes up to us he goes all right guys uh make sure that after practice you guys pack your bags because it's looking like most likely most likely you guys are gonna get sent home so you know we hit in the cage we pack our bags we take them to the hotel and then two hours later i get a, a phone call and they're like, well, do you want to, where do you want to fly? I'm like, oh, I guess I'm going to fly back to Portland then, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Within, I just- literally
1: within, literally within like five hours, it went from, oh, come back on Monday to, oh, no, here's your plane flight. So it was just, it was a crazy day.
0: Well, it kind of seemed right. Like cause I, I was at spring training at that same time. I remember driving around in my rental car um, and hearing the N. first of all, the NCAA tournament was going to happen without fans. That was the first step. Yeah, and- I remember all that. Right, and then once somebody got once the once it hit the NBA, it, it felt like it was only a matter of time, right mm-hmm that was the thing
1: is like once once a major league sport you know and, and, and some guys on the, on those teams get it, it's over with there's there's nothing else anybody can do about it, and that's why I think it's crazy that they're even still talking about an NBA season. yeah it's just like you just need to just wrap it up, let guys get ready for next season because I mean you keep playing through through the season. What are you going to do? You're going to just keep adding more months on. And then you, what guys are not going to have as much time to recover and get ready for the season. There's just so much that goes into it that I think a lot of people and fans don't understand, you know,
0: in that aspect. Well, and then what happens to the next season, right? Does it get pushed back? And, exactly.
1: And- exactly. You just,
0: you, you, Yeah. You know, like, do you push it or do you, or do you,
1: or do you keep it the same and then guys don't have the time to prepare and get ready And then guys are going to get hurt or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be.
0: Unprecedented times we're living in right now, man. I mean, they're, they're going to make movies about this for years to come. Yeah. I mean, hopefully they'll be, I mean, in our lifetime, they'll never be anything like this again. Knock on
1: wood. Yeah. Knock on wood.
0: (laughs) All right, let's get back to baseball. Take our and, and part of the reason I like doing this, Trace, this podcast, is it, it just like it, it, it gives us a sense of normalcy, right? Where we can talk about baseball for a little bit and, and kind of escape what's going on to a certain extent. But uh, for yourself, you ended last year, at AAA, a, a, a season ago, in, in Las Vegas, and you had pretty good numbers there. We were, we were talking about that uh, again before I hit record here, but getting the look at AAA after you'd spent your your entire career in A ball after being drafted out of high school. What does that do for your, for your confidence?
1: Um, it does a lot, um, con- you know, especially considering the fact, that I would say, the first three years, you know, struggled a little bit. I didn't develop as fast as I wanted to, and I don't think the A's wanted me to. Um, so, you know, get- getting, that, getting that call up to AAA last year was a huge confidence boost. It so just, you know, just kind of, you know, made me uh, realize that, hey, like the stuff that I put in this past offseason – you know, the strength aspect, the hitting aspect, the throwing, the defense, all that kind of came together. Mm-hmm. And uh, then no- they took notice of it. So it was, it was huge for me.
0: Well, not just getting the call, right, but performing the way that you did. I mean, in 15 regular season games, you hit 333 with a couple of home runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, ending the season like that, it's, it's got to be a huge lift going into the offseason.
1: Yeah, 100. percent You know, it was it was huge confidence boost. You know, it made me even want to work even harder. You know, just to even get to, just to get to the AAA level. You know, there's you know there's nothing like, you know, playing AAA baseball. I don't know what the major leagues is like yet. You know, hopefully I make it there. But I'll tell you one thing: flying is a little better than being on buses. And you know, it's always nice having unlimited coconut water whenever you want. So, oh, so you're a coconut water guy. Oh, yeah. You know, okay. I've always loved coconut water, but it's so expensive that I never get that much. But they just load the refrigerators no matter where you go with coconut water. So, you know, I would have like two or three a day
0: just feeling nice. Man, oh, man, the difference between getting a triple A and, and being an A baller. <laughs> yeah, right. What was the, uh, describe to me the difference in, in the pitching and the atmosphere. Uh, well, the atmosphere, I mean, go to Vegas,
1: it was, you know, it was their first, it was their inaugural season. So, you know, they were sold out every game. So, no matter what, you know, you have that amplified stadium. So, you're just – you're ready to go. You, you have that adrenaline running. And the pitching, I mean, those guys, they're – I mean, those guys are, are major league pitchers, man. So, you have to really z- zone in on what you're looking for. And, you know, you can't chase those guys. I mean, they're, they're going to be looking to kind of pick pick away and see what you're going to swing at. So, it's just really all just about a, just having that con- – consistency on, on your
0: approach what was it like to to kind of go through a, a pennant race at that level you know you're oh it was. was a step right before the major leagues and you're and you're going through a pennant race and you and you won your division title the, the aviators mm-hmm. did yeah we did it was a uh, it was crazy when, when I got called up we were in that race and
1: um my first game we played there we hit, hit a walk-off you know to keep us in contention you and, hit a walk-off you know, yeah, my uh, my first uh, my first AAA at bat hit a walk off. Oh know, my gosh. Against Oklahoma City. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it was a uh, it was it was awesome, man. But, what um, was that like? Uh, I mean, I don't really remember much until I got to home plate. To be honest with you, I just I was just we were I think we were down by a couple runs against Oklahoma City, and they had some guy who was like six six lefty that was like ninety eight, and he started me off with two uh, sliders for balls two and oh i think it was running on first and first and third so i was just trying to shoot the hole the four hole get my head out because the guy throws you know 98 from the left
0: side Mm -hmm. tries to throw
1: a slider he left it up and i just top handed that thing out out of there and the rest is history
0: i mean i can't think of a better way to endear yourself to your new teammates yeah i mean it was just it, it was
1: awesome. You know, I, I know most of, the, most of those guys in the spring training because I, I played a AAA with the spring, um, in spring training. So I knew most of those guys. And then for me to do that, I think, you know, they kind of respected me a little bit more. And they're like, okay, mm-hmm. this, kid, this kid's really about it. Like, you know, he's out here really trying to prove himself and, you know,
0: help the team win. Okay, so let, let's go to the opposite side of your professional career now. Take, take me back to 2014 when you're drafted out of high school. And I've always wondered this. I mean, obviously I didn't have the chance to do this myself. But going from high school to pro ball was that a tough transition? Yeah, it was.
1: It was much tougher than I expected to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I knew it was going to be hard, um, but you know, I thought with how I played the previous season during you know the whole high school circuit, you know, USA baseball, I felt like I was in a good spot. Um, so you know, it, I, I get I, you know, I get drafted and whatnot, and I you know struggled the first first month, month and a half in, in the Arizona League. And then I started, you know, being a little more consistent and just getting that, uh, getting the experience. So, I mean, that's really what I think what is the difference in guys who can perform right when they come out of high school or college is just the experience of, you know, the the pitching. That's
0: really what it is. What was the biggest, I mean, was it like the velo? Was it guys knew how to spin a breaking ball for a strike all the time? I mean, what was the, the biggest difference for you? in the
1: Arizona league, it was just the fact that everybody throws a hundred miles an hour and you just don't know where it's going. I mean, you have 17 year old Dominican kids that are like Mm -hmm. six, eight throwing a hundred miles an hour and they're just going to the backstop. So to be able to keep your approach and discipline to like stay in the box, that's the toughest part. I think that was probably the hardest part about all of it was just adjusting to, you know, fastballs coming in at that speed and not and not you know taking yourself out of the box you know staying in there because I mean some of some of those guys they have some good breaking balls where they look like they're fastballs and they're coming at you and then it just sweeps so you can't you know you can't be a can't be a wuss
0: about it I can't imagine I mean that's like baptism by fire like you're going from you know you probably saw guys in high school that were throwing like 82 miles an hour right yeah I mean I mean not not everybody but some guys um you know, I'm sure some guys were, were close to 90 and, and the level you were playing at in, the, in summer ball, too. I mean, I'm sure you saw in the 90s, but then to to go to a place where you're playing professionally for the first time, you want to make a good impression, and you've got guys that are throwing 100 miles an hour, no idea where it's going. That has to be unsettling. Yeah, 100%. And then also just
1: kind of not expecting that, you know. You, Mm -hmm. kind of you kind of go in there you know having a feeling of what it's going to be like and then you go and not expecting that and then you know I was I was the sixth pick so I wanted to you know prove myself and show you know that I was worthy enough to be that um, especially with the money that they you know they gave me for my bonus Mm -hmm. so you know all of that kind of just comes comes into it you know it's just the experience and just kind of understanding that you know this is baseball and you're going to fail and putting more pressure on yourself is just going to make it even worse. Was it tough at all
0: off the field?
1: No. (laughs) That first year was awesome because um, one of my good friends, Brandon Kelleher, who got released a couple years ago, uh, he's from the Seattle area. So him him and I were were the only 18, 19-year-olds. So everyone would go out to Old Town Scottsdale drinking and stuff because we'd have the fourth day off. And it would just be me and him just chilling, playing some 2K or video games or whatever it is. So – it, it was fine. It was, it was just fine.
0: Yeah, because you've got, I mean, you got a bunch of kids that are right out of college, right, in the Arizona yeah. League? Yeah, right out of college, so they're ready to go out and, you know, go to
1: Old Town and, and have a blast over there or even go to ASU and have fun. So
0: Anyone who's been to spring training knows what that's like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so you go from the Arizona League to the New York Penn League and then Beloit in the Midwest League. And I've, I've heard it can be really tough for hitters in the Midwest League early in the season is that Mm -hmm. true um yeah especially for you know a lot of
1: guys who are from warmer states right right? a lot of the latin guys they're not used to you know that for me coming from portland i mean it's pretty cold um i mean it's not you know 20 degree cold like it is for the first months in april and, and in the midwest league but it's still cold enough to where you know you're pretty used to you know how you need to get yourself ready and and whatnot so
0: and I'm sure you play with a wood bat quite a bit as an amateur but what is the biggest difference if you can remember hitting with a metal bat the biggest adjustment you have to make going from hitting with a metal bat to hitting with a wood bat every day
1: trusting your hands because um, with a metal bat you can get away with anything you can get jammed it's not gonna right. hurt so you know there's a lot less focus on um, you know just kind of like hand path So, when you come into a wood bat and you kind of have some loose hands, you know, coming around the ball or whatnot, you're going to get blown up and it's going to hurt. So, you're going to have to figure that out real quick. So, that's the biggest difference.
0: Especially in the cold weather, I'm sure.
1: Oh, my God. I don't know how many thumbs I've lost in those batter's boxes in the Midwest League.
0: (laughs) That's where that expression comes. In case you're wondering, that's where that expression comes from. Go pick up your thumbs. I've heard that one before. (laughs) Yeah, go pick up your thumbs, man. Because getting blown up by 95, 20 degrees,
1: it ain't going to feel too good.
0: It's the perfect time to purchase a new car today at Chase Chevrolet. Take advantage now of model year end inventory reduction prices and supplier pricing on select 2019 vehicles. You can always count on Chase Chevrolet for the best prices, best service, and easiest car buying experience. And now, back to our episode. Well, it's a good thing that you got... Most of the last two seasons in warm weather climate anyway, especially in Stockton during 18 uh, and 19. Like we said, I'm sure you were happy to get out of the Midwest League back to the West Coast uh, where it's nice and warm uh, mm-hmm. in, in California. What, over the last two years, what, what have you enjoyed most about playing in Stockton at Banner Island Ballpark?
1: Hmm. I love the ranch, uh, the rancheria, even though I didn't hit too many homers there. It's just nice to, nice to have that, that little extra gap in right center. Um, all the
0: lefties love the ranch. I'm sure all the lefties
1: love the ranch there. <laughs> I would even say righties even love the ranch. Laz mm-hmm. loves the ranch. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> him and him and Austin Beck, they love the ranch. Just I was gonna, when I filled hit. in for
0: Zach last year, I saw Austin Beck go over the ranch one time. Yeah,
1: those guys are lucky. They just got to stick the back out there and go Oppo. Just all mm-hmm. you gotta do is hit a line drive over there. But, uh, but no, it, uh, I mean, also what I, I love is also just being on the west coast just being you know anything to me on the west coast is home i got i have family and friends you know live everywhere so it was nice that uh that my that my family could just drop they could just drive or they could just fly into sack and they could just be there for you know whenever they wanted to and they could just leave it's it's a lot easier going to stockton or you know lake elsinore or rancho than it is you know going to beloit or cedar rapids
0: the travel was had to have been easier for oh, players yeah. too, right? i mean
1: you just yeah you just you're either going over to San Jose or, you know, you're taking I-5 somewhere. I mean, that's pretty much what it is unless, unless you're going to, uh, to Visalia. I mean, other than that, it's just, a straight, it's just a straight drive down to the south, so much easier. The longest bus ride is, what, six, seven hours? Yeah, I think about six, seven, six, seven hours. I think to Lake Elsinore. In my first year, um, we went to Lake Elsinore, and uh, we, the bus shut down on the freeway. And then we had traffic, so we were literally like – we got there to the stadium. We had like an hour and 15 minutes before the game, and then we had to go and play. So that's some minor league baseball for you.
0: <laughs> I can't wait. What was – so was that an overnight trip? I mean, did that bus get, get stuck no, we in the middle rarely,
1: of we rarely would take uh, overnight trips. Usually um, it's in the morning time, so we would leave at 5 o'clock in the morning or whatnot. Okay. And we were supposed to get there, I think, at like 1 or 2, 2.30, something like that. And then we ended up getting there at like four thirty, four forty-five.
0: 4.45. So what, what's the preparation for you like as a player? Because, I mean, you, you don't get to take batting practice, right? I mean, are you just in the cage hitting off tees? Uh, yeah, tees and soft toss. For me, those are usually my best days. Travel
1: days, I, I'm a freak. There's most people who hate travel days and you know their legs don't feel good you know it's just traveling people don't like it me i don't know what it is i i get off the bus and my legs usually feel good my back usually feels good mm-hmm. i usually have my best games so um i think and you know what i think i did that was that trip i was struggling and then um we get to lake elsinore and i think i was like like 9 for 12 or 9 for 13 like that and then i had like one of the best months of my of, of my life in pro ball after that so
0: are, are you a numbers guy? Like, do you do you look back at your numbers during the season and and see, oh, after I was nine for twelve, my average jumped thirty points? Or do you? Um, do that you know,
1: I think everybody. I think everybody in a way does it. I think uh-huh. there's guys who who do it more than others, where they're really relying on that stuff. Um, personally, me, I'm more of like hard contact, um, you know, quality at bats, because I feel like if I if, if I'm making good hard contact that means that my quality at bats are good and that's what you know that's what they're what they care about is how many times how how many times consistently can you put a professional at bat that's that's the that's the key for for everybody to to start understanding i mean i'm sure there's going to be some younger listeners and it's you just need to find a way to become the most consistent professional hitter that you can be
0: well the numbers are going to follow that too right i mean Mm -hmm. yeah
1: exactly if you if you're worried about hard contact and you know, staying with your approach, the numbers will come if you have the right approach and, and what pitches you're looking for. Um, last year, um, probably, I wasn't playing too much in May. And um, so I had a lot of time um, on Oasis, which is our, our video thing, you know, it has all of our, you know, scouting data and all, whatnot. And we're able to um, take the cruiser of the mouse and we're able to pick a box on the strike zone. And you can put in, you know, uh exit below. So what I did last year. I was like, you know what? If I just put a decent swing and I hit the ball eighty-five miles an hour, you want to hit the ball ninety, but let's just say if I just put a decent swing, hit the ball eighty-five, and I look at this zone, which is middle away, which would uh, which was what I was looking for earlier in the season, I was only hitting two fifty nine or whatnot. I'm like, well, that's weird. I feel like I could really hit the ball good away. Hmm. So I'm like, well let's see if I can bring this middle in. If I hit the ball eighty five middle in, I'm hitting I'm hitting three twenty. So that changed my whole season. I was like, well, I'm not looking away anymore. I'm looking middle in and I'm just going to try to put a good swing on it. I'm going to stick with my approach and then I hit 300. So just wow. you know, not it's not necessarily, you know, always going to be that where you're hitting 300, but if you stick with that approach for the whole season and where your where your hot zones are, you're going to be good.
0: That's interesting and it kind of brings my mind to, you know, I've, I've heard some guys, you know, coming up in, in high school and college baseball like You'd be able to pick it. You'd be able to get a pitcher's tell or you'd be able to pick signs, pitching signs from the dugout. Right. And certain guys wouldn't want pitches because they're looking at an area when you're at your best. uh, Is your approach kind of looking at an area as opposed to looking for a certain pitch?
1: 100 percent from from talking to guys, um, from my understanding, really, um, when you're looking in your zone, it doesn't matter what the pitch speed is. You see it in your zone and you're ready for it. And, you know, there comes a time, especially when you're really hot, where it's like you're so zoned into where everything is almost just fuzziness around and you're just take, you're just taking everything, everything that's you know, they're trying to pick, pick away at you, pick away, and you're just taking it, taking it, taking it. And if it's in that zone, you just put a good swing on it and the ball is crushed. I mean, that's when you're going really good. But, yeah, that's usually what guys are doing. Um, Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire always talked about, you know, they're hitting windows. So, you know, you just got to find yours.
0: When you're not going well, what's, what's the key for you to getting back into that zone? My problem is um, I start getting good,
1: and then I want to hit everything. Yeah. And I think a lot of guys fall into that trap where it's like, oh, well, now I'm starting to hit good. Well, now I can touch every single ball, and I'm going to be able to hit. And that's when I start um, starting to fail more is when I start going out of my approach and not staying disciplined. So that was one of the biggest things that I – Wanted to make sure this offseason, this past offseason, because going up to Triple A, I mean, I'm watching these guys that are, you know, they're honing into their zone so well and they're rarely chasing. So you're like, well, obviously, you know, this is something that I just need to keep improving on. It's never going to stop.
0: Uh, what was it like being a part of the no-hitter last year?
1: It was awesome. And what's funny is that's not even my first um my first no hitter what's crazy is the year before that pretty much the same guys that were on the team stocking team last year Mm -hmm. on the on the Beloit team the year previously we threw a no hitter and Webby was our coach so it was
0: started by Bryce Conley too right and it and it was
1: (laughs) so that's that's number two for you yeah number two for me so all I need is a perfect game and
0: uh I'll be chilling Got to complete that, uh, that 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 trifecta. Check off every box, right?
1: Yeah. As long as we don't get a, as long as we don't get no hit or you know perfect game against us, we're <laughs> all good with that. And what's funny is we is uh, I think for the past, I think three or four years. I think four. Actually, I think it's been four years. I've been a part of a, of a no hitter somehow, some way, whether it was against us or we gave it to somebody.
0: <laughs> Due of the last four years. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: I don't know what it is. My first year in Beloit, it happened. And then uh, this, it happened against Clinton. We lost against Clinton. And then I think the year before that, it happened against Quad Cities in Beloit. And then, and then we threw a perfect game against Burlington. And then last year we threw a perfect game. I think it was against Rancho.
0: Uh, no hitter was against Rancho, yeah.
1: Yeah, which is even more impressive because they're like the best hitting team in the league besides Lancaster last year. So right. It wasn't, it wasn't an easy no hitter, I'll tell you that much. I remember many uh, of them are easy, but
0: no. Yeah, exactly. Well, I remember. Uh, so Bryce Conley, I think he was on our third or fourth episode here. And he, he mentioned a play that you made in that no hitter to help keep it alive. Do you remember that? I don't actually. I think you what said you happened? were going to your left, maybe on the, on the, like on the rim of the outfield grass, we were playing second base.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: And I, you know what, once he told me the story, I vaguely remembered it. I I thought, I'm I'm sure you have so many plays traced throughout the course of a year. They all kind of (laughs) meld together uh, to a certain extent. But uh, I thought it would be interesting to see if you remembered it. Yeah, I don't remember that one. I'll have to ask him. I'm sure he'll he'll be happy to tell you. (laughs) Yeah, and you know what, I haven't
1: talked to him in a while. And me and him, we were were both there in minicamp, and him and I got pretty close. So Mm -hmm. I should give him a call and see what's going on anyways with him. There you go. We're bringing people together here with the Portside Pod. I know. It's it's, it's been weird with this whole coronavirus thing because it's like you're so used to being with these guys. And you just kind of like, not really that you forget, but you just kind of go in a fog. And you're just like, oh, man, like I haven't even thought about Bryce in like a couple weeks. You know what I mean? But it's like, damn, like me and him are hanging out every day during spring training, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, you get into an off-season mode a little bit, right? And I'm sure it's a little bit like the season, where it sounds like I mean, you're like, for, just to take your 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 sleeping for your sleeping schedule, for example, right? I mean, I'm sure this ex- is exactly what you do during the season.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, pretty much. I mean, stay up till one o'clock, yeah. and usually one or two, and then wake up around 11, 12 <laughs> o'clock, and then get your breakfast in, and then just head over to the stadium.
0: Man, it's making me miss baseball. Okay, tell me your favorite ballpark to hit at in the Cal League.
1: My favorite one oh Lancaster. If
0: if nobody if if anyone doesn't say
1: Lancaster, they are lying, dude. I'll say that much. <laughs> well the if wind you blows. Straight out Lancaster, out, right? I'll say I'll say this. If you struggle at Lancaster, I am sorry. Because that is the funnest place to hit, especially in batting practice, because the winds are like forty miles an hour. All you gotta do is hit the ball up in the air and the thing's gone. The wind blows straight out, right? Straight out all day.
0: Okay, take all Lancaster out
1: of the equation. Oh, now we got to take Lancaster. Um, I would say Lake Elsinore for me. I, I had a lot of success in Lake Elsinore. I don't know what it was about that stadium. Um, I just I really liked I really liked hitting there. There's something about that big wall, the three the three ten wall in right Field that I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, hmm, San Jose was okay. I like Stockton. Um, Modesto trash.
0: I remember being <laughs> on the field when you guys were taking BP and Modesto and just like I mean, especially when you want to talk about Modesto and out to center oh my field, God. my <laughs> gosh! I mean, it's it's a long way. That's a big ball I
1: don't, part. It's huge, and you know it. Play, you know what's crazy is it plays just like Beloit. We call it the we call it the Cal League Beloit because in Beloit it's the same thing. Ball you hit the ball good does not go at nighttime, mm-hmm. and they and and their uh, fences are far back, so it's even worse. I don't know how many balls I thought that I've gotten into there that should just be in the gap and the center fielder runs it down
0: (laughs) well yeah that's the thing right not only is it a high wall but it's a massive outfield massive outfield it's so big out there and and
1: it like it doesn't look big when you walk out but then all of a sudden you're standing out there and and left field right when you get out when right when you get out of the locker room and you go damn this place is huge man Mm -hmm. it doesn't
0: look it doesn't look that big for a sec but then once you get out there oh do you remember the play in Modesto last year? And now I'm recalling plays from when I was, I was filling in for Zach for 10 days where it was a fly ball to right field. Jamison Hanna lost it. he must have lost it to the lights. And Lazarito comes behind him from center field, sprints all the way from center field and makes a diving play behind. Yep. Mean, I've never seen that before. I remember that. And
1: only Lazar would be able to make that play.
0: Unbelievable. Only speed. him. Is it just his, yeah. his, his speed?
1: Yeah, his speed is speed and quickness is. I'm pretty sure I, I would be surprised if his speed was not an eight on the scouting scale.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If it's not, it's it's a seven for sure. But I haven't seen too many guys. I mean, there's he started to realize like midway through the season, like maybe like at the last second, I shouldn't give up on running because I could have extra hits. Like, dude, would hit a just a normal ball in the six hole and be one step off just because he would take it, you know, take it, take a few steps off, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was like once someone I – think, I think it was probably uh, – it was either Webby or Godard was like, look, man, like, just sprint it out and see what you can do. And then he started actually getting some hits on it.
0: <laughs> so. Unbelievable. Well, it, it, you almost get the sense with those. Like once they realize what they could do, like the sky's the limit with some of those yeah. guys that just have all the gifts in the world. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't realize it. It's like, dude, all you have to do is just run a little bit harder, bro, and you're going to have like 10 more hits a year. I thought this was interesting. I was talking to Bobby Crosby uh, a, a few, oh boy, a few weeks ago. Which uh, I don't know. Have you got the chance to work with with Bobby at all? Oh yeah,
1: he's a great infield guy. I learned a lot from him. He's honestly last last year was the first time that I met. Him. He was one of my favorite players um, growing up because when I was a kid, we had the uh, not San Francisco, but we had the Portland Beavers, San Diego Padres, AAA.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: the River Cats would always come. So Bobby Crosby is always one of my favorite guys to play. So I have a lot of autographs of Bobby Crosby somewhere. But have um, you
0: told have you told him that?
1: No, 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 <laughs> not yet. Not but yet. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's is in fielding infielding. He uh, his techniques I, I really enjoy. They've helped me a lot.
0: So he, he's he's pretty good pretty good infield guy. Oh, just yeah. to, I mean, because you can be you can be good at the game, uh, but but teaching it, it just seems something totally different. I felt w- when I. When I interviewed him, when I got to talk to him for a while, just he seems like he has a passion for teaching the game. That that comes through, doesn't it? He does. I think you know what. All I think
1: all of those guys have a big passion because you know it's hard for players, but I can't imagine being a coach either. And having to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to go to you know player meetings, and then having to coach, and then you know be there all day during during the you know the hot you know spring, and then after that you have another meeting, and these guys don't get done till you know i think like six o'clock at night so their mm-hmm. their days are so
0: long you gotta have a passion for it right you have to <laughs> he was uh so he was telling me about the, the loyalty in the a system and how there are so many guys that have either played in the big leagues with the a's or played in the minor leagues with the a's uh that come back and coach that um you know billy billy bean and, and david force want guys like that to come back uh and mm-hmm. not necessarily to a fault guys are that that you know, are good at teaching the game. And, and you know, um, it, does that benefit you as, as a player in your development to have guys that have been in the A's system that kind of know the A's way? Um, yeah, you
1: know? 100%. I was literally just about to say that, the A's way. And that's how the A's want to keep it. So, you know, they, I, they usually don't hire, you know, get, um, coaches um, from other teams. You know, we got um, Scott Steinman for the Mariners. Um, mm-hmm. other than that, they're always ex players or ex coaches that, you know, have been in the organization for, you know, countless years because, you know, they, they, they have their way of how they teach things and how they go about their business. So, mm-hmm. so you know, they don't want to reteach a coach, you know, the, the coach should be already ready to know, you know, how the organization, you know, wants to, you know, go about their business.
0: I'm, I'm sure that also lends to like the, the atmosphere in the clubhouse. Cause, uh, you know, I mean, it's well-documented in the big leagues, how the A's have like a loose clubhouse, right? But <laughs> what I've learned is it's kind of the same in the minor leagues. Uh, is that oh, true yeah. in your experience? And you think that's unique in minor league baseball? It is very unique because there's a lot of guys who come,
1: you know, from different teams, and these guys show up to the field in their button-down shirt and jeans, and you're like, "Dog, you don't need to wear that. All you got to do is just wear some some shorts and a t-shirt and come to the yard and play." And they're like, "Really?" I'm like, yeah. And also. You don't even need to shave
0: every day, bro. You can you can have a beard on this team. And guys love that. I remember getting to college and having to shave every day. I hated it. And I can't grow anything. I just hated shaving yeah. every day. <laughs> yeah, just the stubble. Just right. the little stubble that you got to shave. Yeah. yeah. So so that kind of helps cultivate like a an atmosphere in the clubhouse that's like, I mean, it seems like you guys are pretty tight. Yeah, we are. I'll,
1: you know, everyone is usually good with everybody, you know, obviously, you know, you have your, your days with people, but other than that, you know, I think everybody respects and, and likes one another. So it's always a good time. You know, I think the A's what they really want is just, you know, no pressure on the outside, you know, don't, you know, don't worry about figuring out what fit you're going to wear, you know, to the stadium. It's more, you know, figure out how you're going to, you know, progress as a player. I think that's what they're more worried about.
0: Has, uh, has, in your time in Stockton, and really with the A's, uh, have you gotten to interact with uh, Ricky at all, Ricky Henderson? Oh, yeah, Ricky. Yeah. Don't cool play that, him, don't Don't play him in ping pong unless you want to lose. Really? Is he just unbelievably
1: competitive? Oh, yeah, it's Ricky Henderson. There's no way he's not going to be competitive. And, you know, even if he loses, he's still going to be talking that. So, you better be ready. I love it. He was my favorite player growing up. Yeah, he was my dad's favorite player, too. So, had to, the first time I met him, I had to get an autograph. It felt weird, but I was like, this is from my dad, I promise.
0: It's not started, for me. Sorry,
1: he started laughing.
0: Do you, think, do you think that he kind of invented swag in baseball?
1: Oh, yeah. I would say so. I mean, who else was rocking lime green batting gloves? With the little – the collar pop after – Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. Nobody um, was doing stuff like that. I would say – I would probably say – him and Griffey were definitely the pioneers of the swagger.
0: I, uh, so it's spring training this year, a uh, quick story for you from me. I don't think I've told this yet, um, but I'm, I'm walking out of the A's radio booth and I open the door and Griffey is staring me right in the face. Oh, it was man. it was it was unbelievable, right? So he asked me where the TV booth was. I, had, I was taken aback for a second. You know, mm-hmm. I was not expecting to see Ken Griffey Jr. staring me in the face. And he asked you a question too, and you're like, "Uh." uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I got to talk to him. Think about it. Yeah, that's even that's even better. So he knows I exist now. Ken Griffey Jr. knows I exist. There you go. You should try to get him on the podcast. I should. I should. Hey, remember <laughs> me? You saw me at the. uh that one time I guided you
1: to this place?
0: Yeah, you remember? You asked me where the, uh, where the TV booth was. I pointed to my left. You'd be like, uh, this guy's on drugs. <laughs> hey, speaking of icons, <laughs> and we'll, we'll end it with this one. I, I know that you've uh, – we got to talk about this last year during batting practice, but you, you rock Jordans, right, when you play? Yeah, yeah, I uh, was rocking the Jordan 1s last year. I remember the red, white, and blue ones.
1: Yeah, the red, white, and blue ones, and then I had some uh, – there were some black and blue ones, and they were, uh, they were, they were good to wear. Especially for me, I had uh, toe surgery a couple years ago on my big left toe. So it's hard for me to find cleats that are able to stabilize my toe, you know, mm-hmm. the right way without it hurting. And those ones, I put them on, and I was like, oh, man, these are it. So I, I wore those all season.
0: I forgot that Jordans are so comfortable. So comfortable. People forget them. Forget about that, too. So, uh, do you have a favorite? A favorite pair are the ones are the ones that your favorite. My
1: my favorite no my favorite uh, my favorite are the Jordan 12s flu games. They're the, the black and red ones, and those yeah. are the first ones I ever had. My dad my dad got them from like Goodwill or something when I was a kid. So those are my favorite ones, and then it goes, thirteens, fourteens, and then eights. Those are, I, those are my favorite ones.
0: I think the 12s might be the most underrated Jordan shoe there is. 12, it is. People talk about the 11s, people talk about the 3s, the 4s, the 1s, obviously, which are all fantastic. But the 12s are, they're up there. They are. And the thing with the 12s, too, is like, if you get them in the all black, too, like,
1: you could wear them pretty much to anything. Like, they're so clean mm-hmm. that, you could, that you could wear them to a wedding damn near. Have you done that before? for prom i uh i think i wore a pair of uh crazy eights that's what i wore some kobe crazy eights for prom that's what i wore (laughs) so so you're a sneaker guy um sometimes i go through my phases i'll go through a phase where like for a year all i do is want shoes and new shoes and then i'll go like two years and not buy a new pair at all so probably Mm -hmm. probably after my birthday which is coming up this saturday i'll probably be in the shoes again randomly it's gemini season Gemini season, so so my other side's got to be turning on here.
0: Give me besides <laughs> uh, besides those twelves. Those give me like the the pair of, the new pair of shoes that you bought that you were like, man, I, I can't believe I have these finally. Oh well, okay. Well, ever heard of Tracy McGrady? Oh, yeah. I got these
1: blue. I got these blue joints right now. The all blues. These.
0: Oh, there you are. I remember those. Yeah. Uh huh. Those are the ones. So right out, outside of Jordan, you're you, you like the Adidas? um to be honest with you not really there's only a few
1: there's only a few Adidas that I that I enjoy okay that that being one of them that, that being one of them I like the Kobe's and then I, I kind of like some of the um some just like the training shoes that they have mm-hmm. but other than that I'm not a big not a big Adidas guy I'm I'm from Portland so it's been pretty much Nike ever since he's or since you're oh. born, it's Nike. Right, exactly. Okay, so you've been watching The Last Dance, right? Yeah, and if you haven't been, I don't know what you've been doing with your life, so.
0: <laughs> Especially right now. Especially yeah,
1: and if you're a sports <laughs> fan, it's like, it's, it's mandatory that you gotta watch that.
0: What do you think you appreciate most about Michael Jordan? Um, what I
1: appreciate about Michael Jordan is the fact that he can be, he can be honest about how he is as a person. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, I forget, I think it was the sixth episode where he's talking about like how's it you know how's it feel to be disliked you know as a player or whatnot and he's just like like I play this game to win like that's the only way that's the only way for me to play is to win there's no other way and he's like if you don't like that then don't do that don't play like me and I feel like that is i think it's i think that goes more than just basketball because I feel like just in life in general there's people that you know don't ac- accept their own selves because of what other people think and he was the main main guy who accepted who he was and he's Michael Jordan because of
0: that so just an unbelievable competitor mm-hmm. unbelievable well Trace this has been a lot of fun man I really appreciate you taking the time um, I hope we have baseball soon uh, I can't wait to see you back out there and uh, yeah thanks again man and, and I hope to talk to you soon yeah man no problem anytime Thank you for listening to this episode of the Portside Pod. If there are topics or interview subjects you'd like to hear on future episodes, tweet at me at ajensen86. The Portside Pod is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms, as well as at our home anchor.fm slash stockton ports you can also visit the ports website at stocktonports.com and follow the ports on facebook instagram twitter and other social media platforms until next time i'm alex jensen please stay safe and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the port pod